Alexa, spielen Sie 99 Luftballon. 99 Luftballons von Nina, Nina Kerner and others auf Amazon Music. How you like that? Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> And the technology. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Spearsy. And Chuck Coverley. And this week, we honor the non-English songs that were hits in the U.S. in the 80s. What? Okay, we'll just call it language lessons. Language lessons. Are you going to teach me French? It's the international language. This episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by The 80s Cruise. Join your Stuck in the 80s hosts along with MTV VJs Mark Goodman, Alan Hunter, and downtown Julie Brown in spring 2024 for a week-long trip on board the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. Performers will include 38 Special, Air Supply, Soft Cell, Debbie Gibson, Sebastian Bach, Stephen Piercy of Rat, Ray Parker Jr., Sheena Easton, Wang Chung, Midnight Star, Animotion, Real Life, Escape Club, <sighs> Wet in Rome, and more. We now have a promo again. Use the code STUCK, that's S-T-U-C-K, when booking to get $200 off cabin credit. You must be a first-time 80s cruiser to use the code, and you got to use it when booking. Go to www.the80scruise.com for more information. Hey gang, we're back and we have a new series for you. I'm going to let Chuck explain it because it's uh, it's his amazing idea. Uh, yeah, so several years ago, my wife and I and our friends, the Rears, Georgia Monica, decided to travel to Germany. And we started in Munich and went all over the countryside. And most of the places, I don't know if you've ever been to Germany, but most of the bigger cities, they all speak English. You know, you can get by without knowing any German uh, at all. And uh, between Munich and driving up to Potsdam in Berlin, you have to go through what was you know East Germany back in the day. And the East Germans, especially people around our age, so you know you were a kid in the 80s, you were probably learning Russian in school. You're not learning English. <laughs> you're behind the Iron Curtain. You did not get all of that uh, English spoken media, the music and the TV shows and the movies. You know, black black market, I'm sure, you know, they were able to get stuff. There was underground ways of getting that. But uh, we ended up stopping at a restaurant and nobody spoke English in the restaurant. And, you know, we we were kind of at a loss. We're looking through and I knew some words back then. But, you know, we you would use Google Translate whenever you could get a, uh, a signal 
and you would type it in, and it would tell you what it was. So one of the menu items was Rucken vom Krauterschwein, which <laughs> now, of course, I know what it means. But when I put it into Google Translate, it came back as jerking off the weevil pig. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I, I don't want to have this embarrassing uh, thing happening to me again. So I'm going to learn German. So over the last you know four years or so, I've been doing everything I do, immersing myself in the language of Germany, as well as Austria and Switzerland, taking online courses, uh, Duolingo, Rosetta Stone, watching a lot of videos on YouTube. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of music, you know, German music and stuff that hit here as well. So I had the idea, you know, there there were a lot of hits in the 80s, you know, and before and after, but specifically our decade that featured foreign languages in the song. And so that's where... Uh, I kind of came up with the idea. It really was born out of a situation that was kind of embarrassing at first, but I, I still can't. I haven't. I have. I've not regained form. Just, what is it again? Say it again. Rückenbaum Kraut. So, so if you know German, and I know Minna out there, she's. You know, I'm going to make sure she listens to this as well. She'll understand. Uh, you have to make sure you use the umlauts because if you don't use the umlauts, it could change the entire meaning of the word. And Rucken with the umlauts means the back. So really what it was, Rucken vom Krauterschwein is the back of a seasoned pig. So they're baby back ribs, basically, right? Seasoned baby back ribs. Right. But when you put it in Google Translate, you get jerking off the weevil pig. <laughs> and so we're looking at the phone and we're like, yeah, we're not ordering this. <laughs> it's said, Why not? It's going to come with the white sauce. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> We're just going to go with schnitzel and steak because we know what that is. Yeah, it was a funny, funny scenario. Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I, I, I got to admit, I, I, I don't know much German. The only German I know is from watching World War II movies. And uh, I had a college girlfriend who, who was majoring in German, of all things. And she would try to teach me the words. And I, I, my tongue just can't, can't do that. And, uh, the the only German I know I, I, that I, the only German line I ever laugh at from an eighties movie is uh, European Vacation, when Clark Griswold and his wife are going door to door like Guten Tag, uh, my family and I are looking for sex. Falkland. <laughs> <laughs> and they ended up staying at the house that wasn't even where they were supposed to be staying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah, the yeah. best. Those people are like, who the hell were those people when they leave? Yeah. So, so here's what we came up we came up with for this week's show. So we we have four songs. Two are in German. Uh, the the <laughs> Weeble Pig will be handling those. I I will. Uh, I have two songs of my own, neither which are German, and we'll we'll tell you the background of them. You if you've heard them all, I bet except for maybe one. One is going to kind of catch you a little off guard, but uh, and I think this is going to be the part of a new series. I think we'll we'll. I think maybe next we might look at either some more songs that are entirely in non English or or as Chuck wants to do, and I think this is a great idea too. Songs, uh, English songs that f- feature a lot of foreign language phrases in it. So more, uh, more Weeble Pigs to come, I guess is what we're saying. That's right. Which if I'd known that story ahead of time, that's what we would have called the series. <laughs> Jerking off the Weeble Pig. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the <laughs> SEO of that would have been, but it, you know, I, I, I like our odds. <laughs> oh my God. So, uh, okay, let's get started. I'm going to, I'm going to start things off with the most predictable song of this week's show. Uh, here we go. Grab your guitar and have some fun. Hey, 
that's La Bamba, of course. The version you're hearing right now is the version from Los Lobos, which was the one that was popular in the 1980s. Thanks to what movie, people? What movie? Yes, the movie with the same name as this song. I guarantee you there would still be people who would miss that in Big 80s trivia on the cruise ship. Absolutely. Well, people are, you know, they're a little intoxicado. If I, if I can use some Spanish of my own. That's that's you know the only language I know, by the way, is I know a little bit of Spanish, just enough to get me in trouble. Even even when trivia is like 10 a.m., people still show up completely blitzed. Like, yeah. how does that happen? Yeah. Well, either from the night before, it's still in their system. Yeah. Or I never get the whole idea of mimosas and, and Bloody Marys. I really don't like Bloody Marys, but people love them in the morning. I, God bless them. So. I've never had one, but I think I'm going to try one next time I'm on a cruise ship. You know what I like is I like the the, the Bloody Marys that have all the crazy shit in it. You know, like oh, yeah, it's got yeah, like the, shrimp sticking off of it. Yeah, like or a slice of pizza or yeah. a rotisserie chicken. You know, <laughs> they, whatever they was meant, left over from the previous night's buffet. Yeah, that I that appeals to me. Like I'll eat the, I'll eat the snacks. I'll just you know give me the vodka straight and t- take the tomato juice back where it came from. I think the tomato juice, don't they? They put something hot. There's like Tabasco in yeah, it. Yeah, well. t- or so horseradish. Like hot... yeah, 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 yeah. I guess. I don't know. Maybe right now, though. <laughs> it's like a spicy V8, right? It's like a yes, spicy exactly. alcoholic V8. Anyway, back to La Bamba. <laughs> uh, the La Bamba was actually a Mexican folk song. Probably a lot of people would have guessed that. Uh, the earliest known recordings date back to the 1930s. We know it today based uh, mainly to two versions. One is the 1958 song that was sung by Richie Valens. It was a top 50 hit at the time. Um, and then the version from 1987 um, from La Bamba from Los Lobos and Los Lobos. Most people who understand you know, a little bit of Spanish is Spanish for the wolves. Um, they're a band from East LA and they had some other hits in the eighties. The only one that's not from this soundtrack was 1984's will the wolf survive. So there you go. Hmm. But um this song actually it's i don't know I, I had to sing it in spanish class one time in college and in, in, at university of florida you had to take if you were a journalism major you had to you could only take so many journalism courses they wanted you to be more well-rounded and so you had to take courses that were outside the college and you either had to take a concentration of business courses or you had to take a foreign language and i hate business courses so i took spanish which i kind of already had a you know, a basic foundation in. Did you but take it in high school? I did. So and yeah, all that, so that made it yeah. easier, right? But it, all that does is really prepare you to take it again in college because they assume that everyone who comes in college speaks a little bit of Spanish. So one of the projects, I think the last semester of Spanish was you had to, to carry on a whole conversation or sing a song in Spanish. And I, I, I sang La Bamba and it was painful painful for everybody <laughs> in the room because i i cannot sing i can barely speak on a podcast um and then did, i also did had you play to, guitar like no you played, no i found no. someone else in class who did tracks that. oh yeah. somebody played the guitar for you so it was a yeah. live like truly live performance yes nice. it was but uh, no I, I remember at the time la bamba and you had to know what it meant so you know in order to dance the la bamba one needs a little bit of grace it's basically the whole that's what they're saying yes and you know, soy marinero. You're not a you're not a sailor, right? I'm not a sailor. I'm the captain. I'm the captain. Right. Over and over again, basically. <laughs> so <laughs> I picked 
I picked that. I didn't pick a Ricky Martin song. I picked I picked La Bamba. So the 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 video, the music video that we all probably saw in the eighties, standard movie video, um, scenes from the movie with Lou Diamond Phillips and uh, mixed with footage of Los Lobos performing the song. Not exactly what you would expect, but uh, and, I, and I haven't seen that probably in many years. But from what I remember, was it at a um, like a carnival? They were performing. Yes, yes, they yeah, were like okay. a, performing so like a little carnival, and then. And of the four songs we talked about this week, this, I think, is one of only two that actually topped the charts in the U.S. That is correct. There you go. In order to record a podcast, one needs a little bit of grace. Okay, my friend, give us your first pick. All right. So my first pick was the other song of these four that went to number one, and it is this dance classic from Falco. And of course, that is Rock Me Amadeus, a huge song. Written and performed by Falco, whose real name was Johann Hans Hölzel. It was, you like that pronunciation? Hölzel. I worked on that. It was recorded in 1985 and reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in the spring of 86. And this is a song that whenever I hear it, it takes me back to my senior trip. I think it just was around this time in 1986 that it was up there. And we went to um, Cypress Gardens. We went to... Where else did we go on a senior trip? Um, uh, went to, what's the one I'm thinking? Bush Gardens, Disney World for grad night, which was amazing. But we ended up going to, uh, where where did the the knights fight? What's that place called? You know, where the knights come out of the horses and they beat. Oh, uh, Medieval Times. Well, they had a party for us afterwards downstairs with a DJ. And I remember going up and we asked him to play this song. And he was like, yeah, I heard of that song. I got to get that song. I'm like, it's number one in the U.S. How do you not have this song? <laughs> it's playing. You know, we we were at the hotel and everybody had their TVs on MTV at the hotel. And you could just hear the music playing. And I remember this song playing. Everybody had their TVs turned all the way up at the hotel. And it was just, you know, you could hear it outside. It was everywhere in the spring of 86. Uh, Wait a minute. You where did you go to high school? Uh, we went. I went to school, Willingboro High School, up in New Jersey. But we did our senior trip down in Orlando. Oh wow! Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I realized that. Jeez. Yeah. What a what a fun trip. I mean, it was it was a sleep deprivation experiment on high school seniors, is what I'm pretty sure it was, because we <laughs> had to be at the high school at 3 a.m. Flew straight down to Wet and Wild. Spent the whole day there. Went to Duff Smorgasbord that night. And then that night after that, we had grad night, which is an all night party from 11 at night to seven in the morning. Yeah, I went to that. Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So now I I haven't had sleep now in 48 hours and I'm hallucinating. Like, I swear we're on the uh, 10,000 leagues under the sea, 20,000 leagues, 20,000 leagues under the sea ride. And I swear that there's sharks in there. Things are alive. Like I'm hallucinating scared the crap out of these people in line to go up in the uh, Swiss family Robinson treehouse because I swore there was an alligator like right next to the line where we, it was, it was not good passed out <laughs> laying on like our bus wasn't there. We get back to the, uh, we were on bus number two, bus number two never showed, well, not never showed up. It showed up like an hour late. 
I'm passed out on the parking lot, like on the asphalt. Uh, sun's just barely getting ready to come up. It was it was a hot mess. But that, yeah, yeah. that was our senior trip. And so this song like really takes me back to that moment. Uh, so that's God one of the sakes. reasons why I wanted to pick this one. Um, and of course, the song uh, capitalized on the popularity of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart at the time because of the film Amadeus, with Amadeus being portrayed by Pinto from Animal House, <laughs> Tom Hulse. And so what I, I find is an interesting twist there. You know, you know the relationship between Mozart and Salieri. Like yes, if you've seen the movie, you know that you know the history, you know that he was always second fiddle to uh Mozart, who was just a genius from the time he was like four years old. He was already composing stuff. Um, but both Tom Hulse and F. Murray Abraham were nominated for Best Actor that year. And uh Abraham ended up winning the award. So thought that was kind of neat that two hundred plus years later, Salieri somehow <laughs> got his revenge yeah um, no that's a i love that movie we've not done much about it on the podcast but it's we need to go back and do a show about you know movies that set in a different time and that that would be one of my favorites and you know who plays um, the emperor in that movie oh it's uh jeffrey jones that's correct who is also who also plays uh you know uh <laughs> your favorite uh ferris bueller that's right ed rooney ed rooney ed rooney that's right <laughs> Uh, so the song, there's several, actually there's like about two dozen different versions out there. Um, it was remixed several different times for the international markets, you know, US, UK, Japan, et cetera. But none of them were really solely English language versions. Um, the the international versions have reduced German lyrics. I prefer the version that is on the videos. And I think because I just watched uh, MTV on repeat. I finally, my senior year in high school, I finally got a television with cable in my bedroom and it was oh. just on MTV all day long. Oh, MTV man. was number 13 on our, on our, our knob. Um, so on a TV without a cable box, we were able, we were able to get up to, I think 13. I remember, people remember how cable TV worked back then without a yeah, box. 13. And that was MTV and it just stayed there all the time <laughs> so that was the version that i knew because mtv of course i think was playing it every half is, hour is that the version where it stops right in the middle and it has the english commentary telling the timeline 1756 salzburg january 27th wolfgang amadeus is born 1761 at the age of five amadeus begins composing 1773 he writes his first piano concerto 1782, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart marries Constance Weber. 1784, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart becomes a Freemason. 1791, Mozart composes the Magic Flute. On December 5th of that same year, Mozart dies. 1985, Austrian rock singer Falco records. No, I like, I mean, I like that version a little bit, but it's not, that's not the one that was oh. the one that was made for the U S market and, and Canada, I think as well. So, okay. and it did, it did, you know, it did well all over the entire earth, you know, it, it pretty much charted at the top, but yeah, it was the first German spoken, uh, language song that went to number one in the U S wow. Well, it was, it was everywhere. It was great. It was, it was fantastic. I, I mean, the story of Falco is so interesting and sad i at the, at the height of stuck in the 80s when i was at the cp times i remember someone sent me a there was a, new, a movie out like a docudrama based on the life of falco 
<laughs> and I set it aside saying, oh, I got to watch this someday <clears throat> and promptly lost it. Oh. And I think I found it again during this most recent move. I think I found it again. It's probably scratched all to hell some 10 years later. But if I can find it, I'm going to watch that because I just, he's a fascinating guy to me. Is it on YouTube? Can you find it there? Have it you might be. It? You know, it, it, that, something that's such an obvious answer. You would have thought I would have come up with that by now, but it probably, it's probably available somewhere. But I remember back then I used to just get so many DVDs and CDs sent sent to us, you know, because, you know, we were a big time newspaper and they were just, you know, oh, yeah. they had that stuff to give away, but not anymore. That's so, so speaking of the video, um, the video opens with the title screen. It looks like somebody made it on their Commodore Amiga 1000, which probably is the case. You know, that was, it was actually used for a lot of television production back in the day. Uh, but he shows up at this palace, looks like a palace in a horse-drawn carriage with his suit on. And about halfway through, he, he kind of turns into that uh, Mozart character with the wig and the period clothing, dancing around with a bunch of motorcycle club members clad in denim and leather. And um, interesting video, you know, It's but it's one that just, like I said, played over and over and over. And VH1 ranked it uh, song number 87 in their 100 Greatest Songs of the 80s. And number 44 in their 100 Greatest One-Hit Wonders, which still is a head-scratcher. Of course, they forgot all about Vienna Calling, which made it to number 18. That was on the same album. It was, it was, you know, it wasn't like it got lost, uh, but maybe it got lost with a song that is that huge. And that sure. got me thinking today, you know, if somebody has a song that is that huge and you only have a few songs, the other ones just get completely overshadowed and yeah. forgotten about. You know, but if if Vienna Calling had come out first, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it wouldn't be the case. But that, that yeah, we'll the Midnight Runners had a similar situation. They they had one other big hit that came out right along the time of Come on Eileen, Gino. And if if it hadn't been for Come on Eileen, who knows? It, it, did it come out afterwards? Because I think afterwards you really you're you're meant to somehow match that success. And how are you going? Yeah. To? If right out the gate you hit number one worldwide, there's, there's nowhere else to go after that. What What's goofy is you end up you buy the album because you love Come On Eileen so much because you figure out all oh, the rest of their songs must sound exactly like this, and then you're real disappointed when you find out that no, that was the one that kind of was different. And it makes you wonder but, how uh, did they do that? How did how did that yeah. one song? Yeah, you know, I, I, and I also was thinking today when I was thinking about this situation, the bigger acts, the ones that weren't one hit wonders, you know, like Genesis and Billy Joel, what did they have that one song that just blew up the whole world, but they also were successful with so many other songs, or is that truly just a one hit wonder type thing? Another interesting thing about the video, of course, it seems like every cruise, every eighties cruise, there's some group that comes dressed as the Amadeus video. And I don't think any of them have ever made it to the to the finalist round, but uh, you know, God bless them for trying every year. See, you know, it was a few years ago. Alex Sue came on, uh, you know, had that, and it just I, I thought knocked it out of the park. Um, and then uh, who did it this past year? Scott I remember Alec doing it. Did it this yeah. year, and and they killed it. And it's you know, it they, it looks great, but you're right; they never make it past the. Uh, who do, who does the judging for those? I wonder who that is. <laughs> Some jerk. I'm I wonder sure. why. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's four of us doing the judging, and some and it's it's hard to get a consensus sometimes. But um, 
Yeah. Well, you do yeah, a great job, though. I'll say we do what we can. <laughs> I tell you, it's it gets harder and harder every year. Um. Okay, I got one more song. This one's going to be a, a little bit of a, a a shot from left field, but I really like it and it has a good story behind it. So here goes. That's theme from Harry's game from Clannad. I can see and hear the head scratching from here. You're saying, I, I know this song, but it's from the movie Patriot Games, which came out in 1992. So how does it qualify for today's show? You're right, almost. The song is from the Irish band Clannad, and it was featured in Patriot Games. But as you might see from the title, it is theme from Harry's game. Harry's game was a British TV miniseries in 1982 about the troubles in Ireland. And the show ended each episode with this song during the closing credits. It's a very pretty song. It is. It was a top five hit in Ireland and in the UK in the 80s. And then it was released again in the US in the early 90s to capitalize on Patriot Games. Okay, so the foreign language aspect. It's a little bit tricky here. Depending on what you read, some will say that this is sung in Scottish Gaelic. Others say that it's more of what's called Irish mouth music. And I'm sure right now our UK listeners are like <laughs> screaming, screaming at their odd device or whatever they're listening to this on. They probably know the answer. I, I do not. That is what I'm able to determine. It's said to be inspired by an Irish proverb that loosely translates to Everything that is and was will cease to be. Well, what's great is I'm sure they will be writing in and you'll get the definitive answer <laughs> right after this airs. We have some German listeners. They'll be writing in to, with their own oh, yeah. uh, comments about your uh, Weeble, Weeble Pig. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking bomb crowds are fine. Banad was a, a Celtic folk band that started in the 70s. Uh, they probably are best known in the 80s when they added Enya as their lead singer. She was with the band a few years before she set out on her solo career. Um, if you go and look up the video, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, for what it's worth, it is it's 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 hard for me to tell, having not seen the miniseries Harry's Game, if it's a montage of scenes from that show or not. It's definitely a dark, dismal video set in Ireland. If you are watching the movie Patriot Games. There's a scene where one of the IRA leaders is sipping tea and watching television, and this video is on as the colleagues surround his house in an attempt to kill him. Is it the video, or is he watching Harry's game? I, I think he's watching the video, mm. but I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> Please write and tell me. <laughs> See, this would be one of those songs, when I was listening to it, I'm like... Is it English? Like, you know, when there's a song and maybe you had a few too many and you yeah. think it might be English, but you just can't make it out. And that's kind of where I was when I was listening to this song. I'm like, is it English? You know, it's very confusing. That's the Irish mouth music part. From what I, from what I understand, I'm, I'm hedging everything with that disclaimer. From what I understand, 
from what I've read online, that sometimes resemble it's it comes close to sounding like English enough that sometimes you're like, I think I know what he's saying, but I'm not sure I know what he's saying. Do you have any listeners in Ireland? Uh, do we? I don't know. This would be a good time to find out. You've got some in the I, UK, I, I know for sure. I, I know we from time to time we've gotten letters from from just about everywhere. Because I'd love to hear their input. Yes, please. My God. I for what it's worth, I it's this is one of the weirder things about me. I love Enya. I, I have a bunch of her stuff. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I, uh, the wife and I love nothing more than to to open a bottle of wine and listen to Enya's greatest hits on a Thursday night. <laughs> Just well, you, you know what? If if you're a writer, which you are, and you're sitting there a lot of time, you're spent sitting at a computer or you're sitting there, and it's you're working, and there's other stuff in the background. Enya is great to put on to have in the yes. background. She's great background music. Uh, okay, you got one song left, and that's a good one. Let's hear about it. I do. It's 99 Luftballons by Nana. And that song was released way back in 1983, so yeah, it's about 40 years old. The song was wow. written by Nana's guitarist Carlo Cargus and keyboardist Uwe Farenkrog Peterson. It became an international hit, reaching number one in several countries, but it only made it to number two in the U.S. It was one of our close but no cigar songs kept out by Van Halen's Jump, which also kept out a couple other songs on the list from the number one spot. Uh, landed at number 28 in the top 100 for the entire year on the Billboard chart. While the German version was the preferred version around the world, the English version, 99 Red Balloons, never charted in the U.S. I was wow. amazed by that. Yeah. It charted on a dance club uh, chart, something somewhere around 27 or 28, something like that, but never on the U.S. you know mainstream uh, Billboard Hot 100. So if you don't know the story of the song, it tells a story of these balloons being released into the sky. And in the German version, which is slightly different than the English version, in the German version, they were mistaken for uh, UFOs. And so some nations, military, you know, they were they were scrambled. The jets went out. They realized they were just balloons, but then thought they'd just have a bunch of fun and just shoot them down and have this uh, show of strength up there. And then the other unnamed nation sees them up here blowing stuff up, thinking that it's a um, an invasion. So then they scramble theirs. And next thing you know, full-scale war happens and everybody is destroyed. So very happy song with, with a very happy ending and happy... Well, at least you can dance to it. Exactly. Um so Nana, whose real name is Gabriella Suzanne Kerner, said the band never really intended to record the song in English. It was a uh, a DJ in the U.S. that played that song over and over again, made it very popular in German. And some record executive somewhere said, oh, I have a great idea. Let's release it in English, which I guess was good because it did go to number one in uh, the U.K. And, and Canada did very well. But in the U.S., it never even charted which is huh. still amazing to me surprising yeah and it comes across as a protest song but really it's not a protest song it's more of a cautionary tale regarding of course the current state of the cold war 
during the 80s, uh, which I'm sure we all, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably remember what that was like back then and how scary everything was. I miss those good old days. Don't you? The days of the day after. Remember that movie? Uh, Geez, don't even. We have to do. I think that turns 40 this year. Yeah. I mean, that was. Have we talked about that on here before? Nah, I, I we've, feel we've like brought I've it up from time it. to time. Yeah. It needs to, it needs its own show. It that's, does. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's one that I still, you know, <laughs> was talked about all day long. I think the teachers were like, great. Like, what are we going to do with the kids on Monday coming back from this? Because that's <laughs> all we can them off talk the wall. about. Exactly. So yeah. the song was, you know, we're talking about one hit wonders in the U.S. It really was. She didn't have any other hits at all in the u.s um but previously her 1982 single nor nor getroimt uh went to number one in germany and that means just a dream or only have dreamt i guess grammatically correct the the video was shot on a dutch military training camp and it shows the band playing on a stage while puffs of color smoke are all around them and explosions in the background uh which kind of drove that message home of it being a war type song if you didn't get the meaning She's walking around, miming the lyrics of the song, and towards the end of the song, she uh, finds a single balloon and says, you know, I'll think of you and let it fly in German. Denk an dich und lass ihn fliegen. So let it fly. And the English version, same video, but they just interspersed a few more uh, clips of her singing the English version live. And uh, so that was pretty much it for the video. Every time I hear it come on, I just wait, and if I hear you and I in a little toy shop, I'm like, oh, I'm like, Alexa, yeah. stop, and then I have to tell her you know, <laughs> to play the other version. How do you say Alexa played in German, in German? Uh, spielen Sie, uh, I could do it right now. Alexa, spielen Sie 99 Luftballon. 99 Luftballons von Nina, Nina Kerner and others auf Amazon Music. How you like that? <laughs> All right, Alexa, stop. Alexa, this all day long. I gotta sound angry when I speak German too. But yeah, that's that's required. <laughs> so you know, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing the real side note here. Uh, I'm 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 doing the uh, uh, Rosetta Stone, and if I say it in a calm voice, if anybody's ever used uh, a Rosetta Stone, you know when you say something, it gives you a circle, and if it's really really good, it's a complete green circle, like a green ring but if you messed it up a little bit it'll be yellow it might be orange if it's red you really messed it up and if i say <laughs> it calmly i'll get like yellow maybe some orange if i say it like i'm really angry i get green every time so people wow. you know if you're doing i don't know you don't have to put that in there was a side note <laughs> i love that that's a great story it's going to end up in there someone's going to say you're ridiculous but it's true you know but it's not an angry it's not an angry language. You know, I, I know they, there's a lot of videos that goof on it, but you know, the word hospital in English said hospital, how nice that is in German, Krankenhaus, <laughs> ambulance, ambulancia, this Krankenwagen. <laughs> I don't know. It's sometimes, sometimes <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> Even butterfly. Right. What in German, in, in, in English, butterfly, in French, papillon, right? In yeah. uh, German, Schmetterling. <laughs> yeah. That's the language I chose. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like 45%, according to spit in a tube and send it in. I'm uh, like about 45% German. And German and English, 
uh, and the other half is like British Isles. So I'm really truly a German English person. But they they share a, a common root. You know, they have a they if you if you understand German, you could probably understand Middle English. Like going back and hearing the Middle English speak, you know, the way that they count, it's neun und neunzig Luftballons, which is nine and ninety, you know, balloons. And that's how they do their numbers. You know, it's I'm I am not fifty-four, I'm vier und fünfzig which is I'm four and 50, which is like four and 20 blackbirds baked in a pie. That's how they did their numbers. So oh my God, that's why it's neun und neun sich. Yeah. So jump actually kept out, not just 99 Luft balloons from the number one spot. Girls just want to have fun. And uh, Rockwell, somebody's watching me. So that damn jump song, man, keeping all those songs out of the number one spot. You know what else sounds angry in German? The, the Seggies. Hey, it's time for TV party tonight. Um, God, you know, the, the hard thing about doing a podcast for 664 episodes is it gets harder and harder to come up with introductions for these seggies. But, um, you know, it's funny. I, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but yesterday I posted an item on the Stuckney's website. I had a chat bot, um, write an article. I said, I told it, write an article ranking that John Hughes movies of the eighties. And it, 30 seconds later, it wrote it for me. It was actually pretty damn good. And I, I put it online, so it's on SIT80s.com. But these these chatbots are amazing. Now, which one are you using? Because I've used ChatGPT. That's what I used. That's what you used. Okay, yeah. You know, I found out sometimes they are wrong. And if you correct them, they will say, oh, you know what? I'm right. You're right. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And then if you ask them later they will take the corrected information and pr only present that to you. So it is still learning as it's going oh. through. So I, you know, in pr preparation and doing research for this, uh, you know, I asked chat GPT to tell me about the songs and, and I thought, you know what, you are a DJ. I'm telling, I'm telling chat GPT this, you're a DJ playing the song 99 Luft balloons. How do you introduce the song? And this is what chat GPT came up with. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to take a trip back back in time to the 80s, a decade that produced some of the catchiest and most iconic pop songs of all time. And speaking of iconic pop songs, up next we have a true classic, a song that captured the fears and anxieties of the Cold War era and became an international sensation. From the German pop band Nena, this is Neun und Neunzig Luftballons. So get ready to sing along and let's take a trip down memory lane. Oh my God, that's eerily good. Yeah. And it took, you know, as long as it took me to type, you are a DJ playing the song, that's how long it took for that to just pop right up. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's something else. It's amazing. So oh as a writer, God. you, how, how do you feel about, how, how do you feel about this? I, you know, to be honest, I hadn't played around with it much until this week. And I'm a little stunned by how good they are. And, Although I did ask it to write something for work and then I had to go in and like fix a bunch of things. It, it had numbers wrong, but it gave the overall outline pretty good. Yeah. It, it uses, from what I understand, it's using a predictive text algorithm. So what just makes sense, what the next word would be after reading pretty much everything on the internet. So it has a bit of an idea, but when I asked it the question about, um, well, let me see where it is. Cause it did say, oops, sorry, I messed up. And I had to correct it. 
um i lost where it is but that's okay and 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 it's oh you know what you're right it wasn't because it thought that the english version of 99 luft balloons or 99 red balloons hit number one in the u.s and when i corrected it it came back and said you know what you're right uh i'm sorry about that and it says although it says i apologize for my previous incorrect response the english version of 99 red balloons by nana did not chart on the billboard hot 100 chart in the u.s despite this the song did receive significant airplay on radio stations across the country and became a popular hit on college radio stations and then it goes huh. on and get another paragraph about oh my it my god you know what i'm more amazed at that it actually apologized you know how many off, how often how how rare these days people actually apologize for doing something wrong right it, it's it's like it's fallen out of style but it did get right that it hit number 27 in 84 on the Billboard Dance Club songs chart. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Heavily played on MTV, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a whole episode one time that's just chatbot. <laughs> <laughs> good luck coming up with some of our kooky stories, chatbot. Uh, anyway, from episode 658, um, we had a mystery clip from a TV theme song. As usual, if you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the postal-friendly bottle opener. Episode 658, this is what it was. Yep, that's Knott's Landing. Primetime soaps. Did you watch them, Chuck, or no? Uh, you know what? Dallas watched. Um, Knott's Landing, I don't, I don't think so much. Now, which one was Knott's Landing the spinoff? Oh, don't uh, ask. Is that Dynasty or Dallas? <laughs> I don't. It's a, I need a flow chart for all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm pretty but, sure Mrs. Spearsy knows. She she would know. She's she at work. Know for sure. sure. That's why we're able to podcast right now in the <laughs> afternoon. But uh, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't stun people with this one. Um, you want to read the name of the winners? Winners this week include Kevin Wunsch, Andy Cloutier, Chris Cooling, Rosemary Mall, Tom Korn in Austria, Sean Fitzgerald, His Hness, Carol Perrett, Jackie in Seattle, Brian Pond, Todd in Minnesota, Gamecock Mike, Mary Beth in Ohio, Giovanni, 1976 from London, and Jan stuck in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, let's go ahead and spin the wheel. Let's find out who's taking home a postal-friendly bottle opener. You got it. Ah, it's gonna land on jan stuck in lawrence kansas okay so send us your postal address and when brad gets back to la uh we'll get a we'll get us some swaggerino out to you brad i guess we haven't mentioned where brad's at brad's in vegas right now and then i think he's he has another vacation or a trip with the wife after that, so it, it could be a while before we hear the dulcet tones of Brad in L.A. I, I, I hope that he, he will be able to, um, you know, next time he joins, give his feedback on the Violent Femmes, because I am interested in what his thought is, you know, what his thoughts are on that album. Yeah, yeah. No, we got a lot of feedback from people who uh, vehemently disagreed with us about it being the best debut album of the 80s. The uh, and that's fine. That's the whole point. Everyone has an opinion, um, but I, I don't think I've ever talked to Brad about Violent Femmes. I don't. I it's. I don't know if he's got a story about him or anything. So that'll be interesting to find out. Yeah. 
He grew up in Oklahoma. I'm pretty sure you get beat up if you listen to the Violent Femmes in Oklahoma. I could be wrong. Um, anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's uh, TV uh, theme song mystery. If you know it, email us at podcast at SITDs.com and tune in in a few weeks and find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Ever wonder what we intelligent, independent, adventurous types drink? Celestial Seasonings Herb Tea. They call this one Lemon Zinger. Oh. Celestial Seasonings. Teas more tastefully done. So um, with all this German that I've been submersing myself in, uh, I look at Jan and I'm like, maybe it's Jan. Jan is a German name. Could be Jan stuck in Lawrence, Kansas. Jan. Could be well, Jan. Yeah, if it were Jan and, and Jan were in Lawrence, Kansas, that would really probably be more painful, I would think. Maybe. Than Jan. <laughs> That's a good point. Anyway, obviously we're back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. The uh, we got time for one more seggy, so let's play the uh, old popular game. Uh, please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. Okay, PPT men, Captain Bourbon, who by the way, I met, uh, hung out with on the cruise this year. What did we drink? We drank bourbon, of course. Um, so uh, we had. He and I talked for about 10 minutes before the costume contest on Bicon Night. Oh, Captain Bourbon, who usually writes me at four in the morning, but this one I think came through at, at regular hour. Um, the strictly temporal definition of the 80s is January 1st, 1980 to December 31st, 1989. But how, quote, the 80s is defined culturally or personally is another question entirely. Uh, Captain Bourbon goes on to say, from a cultural perspective, I've always saw the 80s were defined as the period between the miracle on ice to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I do realize this is an American-centric view, but I'm an American. I'm prone to bias. Nice of him to say. Uh, we are both Americans as well. From a personal perspective, Captain Bourbon says he entered the 80s as a clueless high school freshman and exited the 80s as a slightly less clueless college graduate. Same as me. Same exactly. I went to high school and college completely inclusive of the 80s. So anyway, getting to uh, Captain Bourbon's question, he wants to know how others define the boundaries of our favorite decade. Hmm. Hmm. Do we uh, base it on personal experience, uh, cultural touchstones? Do we grandfather in some of the 70s? So good question. It is a good question. I, we've answered this from time to time, I think. So musically, I, I think when you look at a lot of the acts that were huge in the 80s, they kind of got their start, their first albums. You know, the Cars' first album was in 1978, and I always think of the Cars as being a an 80s band. Yes, yes. Same thing with Blondie, you know, 80s, sure. even though some of their hits came out 78, 79. I, I agree that the, the 70s have to be grandfathered in. I go back to Jaws, the movie Jaws, because I think of that as the first real blockbuster, at least that I ever saw, that kind of redefined the concept of a movie blockbuster in the summer and, and what it meant to be like have a movie held over for half the year. Now, do you remember so I, how huge that movie was that summer? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, to this day, when I look at my pool, I still think of when I was like a 10 a year old kid and I was afraid to get into the deep end if it, the water was too cloudy. Yeah. Used to do that in the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Stop yeah. it. 
that that there's that fear in the pool and then there's the fear that your parents put into you at least they did in florida they always used to tell us that we put a chemical in the pool that will turn the water red purple or purple, purple or red if if you pee in it <laughs> that's right and turns out they they, they never did no. I, i'm sure such chemical exists now but at the time they didn't i should have known better than mom pa spears were going to spend 20 dollars on a chemical just to confirm what they already knew <laughs> that was that was the rumor that they because where i grew up in Rollingboro, we had it was broken into parts it's a levitt town and levitt built it to have these little parks and each park had a school and each school had a pool so you would usually go to the one closest to where you lived and that, that was definitely the rumor that but you know and we tested it it, it wasn't you know it was, they they just chlorinated <laughs> the hell out of that water oh yeah yeah the, um, so anyway, I, I would say from Jaws and until to, for me personally, where I feel like I gave up on the eighties after live aid, like I, I don't connect with the music after live aid. I don't connect with, with I, maybe, maybe the movies to some or to some degree, but they almost feel more like nineties movies by that point. So for me, it's like 76 to 86. Gotcha. What about you? So, so for me, I think now, I, Jaws was huge. Um, you know, it was, it, it, I remember, now, when when did you see that? Did you actually see Jaws in the theater, or did you see it with early cable? No, my my dad worked as he handled air conditioning and ice machine work for theaters around Florida. Mm-hmm. So I would go with him from time to time during work, and if there were movies playing, I could I could go sit in the back and watch them. So I saw a lot of these movies, you know, in bits and pieces while he was working on an ice machine or air conditioner. Because I don't so that's remember how I first saw Jaws. Yeah, I don't remember, but I, I I think that was a rated R movie, right? It was, it was. I mean, but yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, for if, obvious. If they want someone to fix their air conditioner, they're going to let me sit there. Oh sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it was. I remember ABC aired it, a highly edited version of it, uh, and then it was one of those early cable movies that was on, you know, all day long. And I, you know, when someone says, "What is your favorite movie?" It definitely is on the list. Uh, just because I've seen it probably 30 times, but I, yeah. you know, and, and going into marine biology, it was just, you know, a natural. Uh, but for sure. me, I think it starts uh, Star Wars. I think Star Wars was the first movie that I went to the theater by myself or with friends. My mom would drop us off. And I'm sure people listening to this podcast remember it, it played in theaters for a year. It, it was not one of these, you know, quick to video. It was in the theater for a month and then it went to video. There wasn't any of that. So a movie like Star Wars would play in the theater for an entire year, and I probably saw it five or six times at least in the theater because it would be a hot summer day. What's there to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Uh, the air conditioning in there was fine. You know, I like popcorn. So Star Wars uh, worked for me. So that was kind of the start of, you know, you talk about music being your own and, and pop culture being your own, uh, where you're kind of coming into that that age. So I would say from star Wars for me up until the early nineties, maybe the death of Freddie Mercury. Like that was the first thing that I thought of that maybe could kind of put a cap on the eighties for me and say, okay, it's over. And now we're moving into a completely different musical time period. That is a great answer. I I like your answer better than mine. was Was a great moment in music as well. Yeah, but I, I think you nailed it with uh, Freddie Mercury, and then the concert for life that he that happened. Yeah, which I have on DVD. I talked about it so much that the wife bought it for me on DVD. 
Is that the um, one with uh, George Michael and? Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 Something else. Something. Yeah. I'm, getting, else. I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about yeah. that. Yeah, I have it on VHS. Hey. I taped it somewhere. <laughs> anyway, if you have a question for us, email it to podcast at satas.com. Uh, help us out and put PPTMN in the subject line. I uh, hope you enjoyed the first uh, part of language lessons or lessons of language or what What was your phrase that you preferred to use? It's the jerking off the weevil pig. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the laugh I want to have stuck with me uh, as uh, Chuck and I remain here, uh, hopelessly, <laughs> stuck in the 80s. Auf Wiedersehen und tschüss. Nine Kriegsminister gibt's nicht mehr und auch keine Düsenflieger. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. Denk an dich und lass So while Spearsy is away, let's practice some German. Das Hemd ist schmutzig. Warum? Den Hund. Warum wäscht Mama den Hund? Mama wäscht den Hund, weil... Mama wäscht den Hund, weil er schmutzig ist. Warum? Gut. Warum riechen die Betttücher gut? Weil sie... Weil sie sauber sind. Warum? Warum sind die Leute in der Küche? Weil sie...